بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We send blessings and salutations upon the masterpiece Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam His entire household and all his companions May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them all and may he bless every single one of us, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. As you know, the second Taraweeh has just been read and we have entered into the second day of Ramadan. And before we know it, believe me, the entire month will have come to an end. Every year, the Ramadan passes quicker than the previous year. And that is the prophecy of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So just hold in, don't be lazy because shaitan comes to us and he tends to whisper in our ears and we become lazy after that. So after we have had a good start, we tend to become more slack. And after that, we regret at the end of the month thinking to ourselves, why didn't we do this and do that? It was only but a month. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us. As promised yesterday, we look at the darkness surrounding the Arabian Peninsula just before the birth of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In fact, the darkness that the whole globe was upon. If you take a look at in India, how a woman was treated, she was such that if her husband died, there was no chance of marrying again. Most of them burnt themselves to death because they were taught that. They were brainwashed to believe that that was their system. And they believed in reincarnation. When a person dies, up to today, there are some who believe that the person reappears in the form of some either bird or snake, depending on whether they led a good life or a bad one. I remember one of the sisters once in my own community telling me that they had some people visiting them after the death of one of the relatives. And as they walked out, they saw a dove sitting on one of the branches of a tree. And they looked at this dove and they said, oh, that must be this person. And when I was told, I thought to myself, well, this dove was alive well before the death of this person. But look at how the people's minds are, the darkness at the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or just prior to his time. If you take a look at the Arabian Peninsula, religiously, as we mentioned yesterday, they worshipped idols. So much so that they made idols out of stones and when they found a better stone, they would throw away what they used to worship for so many years. And when they had a big problem, they would go to someone who had a bigger stone to say, hang on, can I borrow your God because I've got an issue, big problem. Allahu Akbar. Imagine the brains of the people. And Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, he actually says, as intelligent as he was, he says, we made a God out of dates and you know, we could shape it up much more easily than stone. So we shaped it up and it was so nice. And one day I was very hungry asking the God for food, food, no food came. I ate the God, Allahu Akbar, ate the God. So this was the type of mentality around the darkness. They believed in lots of superstition. As we mentioned last night, see something and they believed, oh, this means that will happen. And that means this will happen. 
And if this happens, then this. If you see a cinnamon, then that. If someone is having hiccups, then another person is remembering them. If you sneeze once, that means someone has remembered you and so on. This had all come from that particular time and it seeped through across the globe. For your information, to this day, some of us are guilty of believing in some of these superstitious items. So thereafter, if you look at one of their habits, they visited the fortune tellers. Anything happened, they went to the fortune teller and they let him solve their matter. And these fortune tellers, they were powerful in the sense that they knew how to study the lives of people and they had contact with the spirits. As I mentioned yesterday, contact with the spirits, contact with the jinn is not impossible, but it is prohibited. We are not allowed to deal in that and we are not allowed to go into that, although we would know how it operates and how to protect ourselves from it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to recite the verses of the Quran that are relevant. We recited them this evening, Ayatul Kursi, as well as the last few verses of Surah Baqarah, the most powerful of them. And the last two surahs of the Quran, these are powerful surahs which should be read every morning and evening with the intention of dua and protection. And then you find one of the habits they had, they did not believe in the life after death. They would say, Who is going to give life to these bones after they are uh, decomposed completely and like dust they become? And Allah says, Say, he will give those bones life who gave them the life in the first place. So for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create man in the first place, to resurrect him is even easier. If you have no BMW and you were to make one, you are far more a genius than a person who has just panel beaten a damaged BMW. Simple logic. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deeper understanding. Obviously, Allah has a far higher example than that which we just gave. But this was only to bring it closer to our brains and minds. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of how when they were in difficulty, they left their gods. They called out to the one deity who created them. Whoever made me, I'm calling out to him. That was when? When they had a problem. When they had difficulties. So like Allah says, فَإِذَا رَكِبُوا فِي الْفُلْكِ دَعَوُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ فَلَمَّا نَجَّاهُمْ إِلَى الْبَرِّ إِذَا هُمْ يُشْرِكُونَ When they were on the ship and when the boat rocks a little bit, you know when you're at sea, they would call out to Allah alone. And as soon as they come back, what would happen? they would immediately start engaging in their polytheism once again, worshipping the other false deities besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the politics, at that particular time, people were divided into two major groups. You find the people of the Badiyah, the people of the desert and the people of the cities. And up to today, you find those, mashallah, who are living in smaller towns have far greater hearts. They have far better qualities than those who are in the city who don't even have time to greet you. They don't even have time to be hospitable. Whereas the slow life of those who are further away, mashallah, one of the secrets why we are here in Polokwani, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness and make our hearts pure at all times. Wallahi, it's a point of goodness. I feel really 
that this is about to be, if not, it has already started as one of the best Ramadans. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us from those who lose out. Believe me, as I say always, it's like a train that is passing. You catch it, you catch it. You missed it, everybody else caught it. You're alone in the station. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us miss our trains and planes. I'm sure you know how it feels. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. So they had people in the cities and people out in the deserts, in the rural areas, so to speak. But they had something in common, very strong lineage. They were divided into tribes, families, and they literally stood up for one another. They would fight the other tribe because of a problem that it had had with one particular person. One camel goes missing, for example, and they doubted those people or someone was caught. The war lasted 40 years, 40 years. People died. The next generation did not even know why they were fighting, but they continued fighting. This was the type of Kabbalia they had. They had this tribalism and they had stuck to their clans. Sometimes it was used for the good and sometimes it was used for the bad. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them by sending them the message. But if we take a look at the leadership of these clans was always with a certain type of person and family. And usually it fell from father to child or to brother and so on. And this was the way they led. So the leader, the chief, and when he died, his son took over or a relative took over. But there was something that could raise a person from nothing. What was that? If someone's level was very low, they just had to come up with some poetry, which was so powerful linguistically and full of meaning that it would instantly raise the rank of that individual sometimes to the point of leadership. Subhanallah. Why? They were crazy about eloquence. So crazy. They were the most powerful people when it came to speech. In fact, they were unlettered. The bulk of them, almost 100% of them could not read or write. But linguistically, they were powerful. They hardly used slang. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as we will see later on, as he grew up, he never used slang. He was always the most powerful. It is reported that he never ever made a linguistic error in his life. Subhanallah. Nothing. That was his gift by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why later on we see how they looked at him and they listened to him and they were mesmerized by what he said. Subhanallah, completely shocked. So much so that later on the Arabic language began to take its rules and correct itself through the Quran. Because that was what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam came with. Up to this day, the Kuffar, the Christian Arabs and those who are non-Muslims from amongst the Arabs, they still use the Quran when it comes to linguistics in order to correct their language and to explain to you what is right and wrong. Subhanallah. So if you take a look at them from the angle of their wealth and if you look at them economically, what did they have? They did not have much in terms of produce because it barely rained and if it did, it was all desert. But in certain spots, they had had the date palm that used to grow a lot. And they had a few other things that would grow, but very, very little. A lot of their trading happened to be with the livestock that they had had. They had a lot of car, sorry, they had a lot of camels, donkeys, as well as goats and sheep. Subhanallah. The donkeys, obviously, they wouldn't really count them as part of livestock as non-edible. But at the same time, you look at the amount of goats and sheep they had had subhanallah and there was a difference between those who had had
camels and those who had had goats and sheep. Those who had had camels up to today, those who have camels, they have their noses high up in the air. We have camels. And you know, it's considered very expensive and considered something so wealthy. Like today, you have someone driving the latest motor vehicle. There, it was known as Humurin Naam, the red camel. It was something amazing. It had value more than the BMWs today. I don't know what is making me repeat it, although I don't like the vehicle myself. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness, a vehicle that will serve its purpose rather than a vehicle that will bring about arrogance, bearing in mind that if you have the wealth, you are allowed to buy the highest and the best of all the vehicles you want on condition that it does not make you arrogant. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. So if we look at them, this is what they had. Those who had had camels were much more proud in terms of the wrong pride than those who had had goats and sheep who were much more down to earth and humble. So much so, subhanallah, Allah has kept it such that every Nabi, every prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he started from a very early age looking after goats and sheep. Never was it mentioned that they were looking after camels. It was always goat and sheep. Al-Ghanam, Ra'il Ghanam. Ma min nabiyyin illa wa ra'al Ghanam. The Prophet says there was no prophet except that he started off by looking after sheep. We will get to that inshallah a little bit later. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a gift by sending them Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to remove them from the darkness of arrogance and to make them spend in the cause and in the good cause. Then another thing they had had when it came to their economic life 